Wildcat Insider continuing. It is a Sweet 16 edition of Wildcat Insider Troy Coverdale in for Mitch Fortner, who is still making his way back from Greensboro, North Carolina, long enough to check on the dog, do some laundry. <laughs> well, and that's well, how it is. I was going to say, you have to check on the dog, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that, just kind of what it is. It, it is yeah. what it is, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> Anyway, Mitch will be headed out to New York City. I know for sure Friday we'll have a full-on show from him. Uh, We'll have bits and pieces through uh, Wednesday show. Tomorrow, no show, by the way, uh, as because it's all hands on deck for the athletic department. He and I have also been called in for a little bit of help. So uh, no show tomorrow. Short show anyway uh, because of K-State baseball tomorrow evening here on K-Man. And the women's basketball game in the WNIT can be heard on Sunny 102.5 tomorrow evening. What a week. Uh, And then, of course, the Cats with the 5.30 tip-off on Thursday, 4.30. For the man to my right, Wyatt Thompson and Stan Weber on pregame coming up on Thursday. As I put together my show notes, I termed this segment very easily. What is it about Marquise Noel? (laughs) It is amazing to even recognize the development that he has had. But someone had a video that made its way around social media today from him in high school. Really? And the highlights look decidedly similar to the things he's doing now. Yeah. Probably the only thing that's different now is his strength. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just the fact that, in all honesty, the guy's got 129 college games under his belt. That's a lot of college basketball. Uh, I, I've done several interviews today, as I told you in the first hour, and so many questions about Marquise now because of you know, what he's doing. I mean, he had a 14-assist game on Friday night, had the monster game against Kentucky, at least in the second half, where he finished with 27, and he's just made – unbelievable plays whether it's a long three or you know great foul line shooting late in games or a pass here and there it, it's hard to <laughs> we talked last hour a little bit about Ian Eagle and, and some of the comments mm-hmm. that he was making just about how small he is but yet how electric he is athletically and I think that's it in a nutshell isn't it I mean he just he is a he, he is a package of dynamite I think and and um, that's totally complimentary in every way, at, at least in terms of the way I mean it. But in addition to that, his New York City toughness and his confidence and his improvement from even a year ago. I'm, in, in those interviews today, I, I made mention in one that he has, had gone from, and every year is different, I get that, but he had gone from about 12.5 points a game last year to this year where he averaged – almost 20 points a game. He was at 19.5 in league play and about 17 on the mm-hmm. entire season. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know how you see that, but one of the guys that I was talking to today said, you know, when you are at the level he was a year ago and you make that kind of jump, you would think more people would notice. Yes. But, but those kind of awards go normally to guys that, maybe got five minutes a game last year and exploded, and maybe they're a 12, 13-point-a-game guy this time. I, I don't know if you would, would buy that or not, but I, I think there's some legitimacy to that. 
he, he's been he's been really good, man. He has been tremendous, and the confidence that you bring up is a key point. You know, I thought back to the shots that he takes, and Coach Tang has been asked about them all season. The logo threes yep. and some of the deep threes that he will take, and Coach Tang will talk about having that agreement that it's much like your vitamins. <laughs> Cracks me up. I, I do have to laugh about that. But it speaks to not only the confidence that Marquise has, but the confidence that his coach has in him in allowing those. Because a year ago, he wasn't allowed to take those shots in what the offense was. Well, you know, there's also a fine line there. I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think Marquise has been well coached through a large part of his college career. Uh, but let's be honest, I, I think everybody is different in how they handle things. Mm-hmm. And I think what impresses me about Coach Tang is is that he has let Marquise be Marquise, but maybe with a little bit more breakage here and there around those corners or whatever, you know, as opposed to, I'll equate it this way, instead of going around this curve at 84, Maybe it's a little better if you go 74. <laughs> does that make sense? It Matt does. Walters and I talked about that at one point. It was Matt that originally kind of equated it that way, and I thought, you know, that's virtually perfect in, in so many ways because you don't want to take away from what makes him really good, and part of that is is he's going to, you know, make a play where you go, oh, and, you know. Right. And, and the, the you mentioned the logo threes where you go, oh, no, oh, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, when he buries a, you know. 35-footer, it's, which he has done. It, it, or in another way of putting it, it's it's having tight reins to having looser reins. There you go. And yeah. and that, I feel, is the way that things have played for him this year in that he's been given a little more rein to be able to do some things. You know, and, and you still continue. I mean, mentioned 129 games. Yesterday, I really felt like he had Kentucky in the second half perplexed Mm-hmm. Because they were, for so long, they were like a lot of teams trying to get him to the side or you know help on him and, and what have you. And then once K-State made a couple of adjustments and he became a little more, I'll call it freewheeling, you know, he'd, he'd get into the, into the paint and they didn't know whether he was going to shoot the ball or pass the ball. And more times than not, when they were guessing, they were guessing wrong. As we talked about in the first hour, Ish Masood was emotional after the ball game in terms of heading back to New York City. Keese with a bit of emotion as well in readying for that matchup with Michigan State at Madison Square Garden. Mr. Mr. New York City going to get to play in Madison Square Garden. How do you feel about that? Happy. I'm back in New York, baby. I'm happy. Second half. How do you even describe your play out there? Um, I was just aggressive, you know. Uh, I noticed that they was playing me for the pass a little bit more, um, and that's when the two quick turnovers came, you know, within the first five minutes. So I just figured that, you know, I go go downhill and be aggressive and look for my own shot. And once it started falling, I got in the rhythm, um, and it was, you know, rest from there. What were you saying to yourself and to the other guys first half when some of the shots just weren't falling? Uh, I mean, we put in a lot of work, you know. That's all I've been telling them. We put in a lot of work, you know, trust your work. Um, like we've been doing all season, and I knew they would fall eventually. And when they did, you know, we were just laughing and smiling, just you know, giving each other confidence. You think that was the biggest shot of uh, Ish's career, second half. Man, that yeah, that might have been, yeah, that that that's 
I had trust and faith that he was going to knock it down uh, because we work on that, you know, thousands of times. He works on that. Um, and when it, when he let it go, man, I was just, and he made it, I was just so happy for him. I think you guys missed 13 straight as a team, and then you made it when it mattered. That's all that matters. But, you know, what was the, the confidence like? Did you just not let it waver or what? I mean, nah. I mean, we, we put in a lot of work. I mean, and that's that's why we got to this point. So we just told each other, trust trust your work. Um, continue to keep shooting it because it wasn't like we were shooting bad threes. They just wasn't falling in the first half. So once we noticed, you know, that that we were shooting a lot of threes, we got to the basket, got in the rhythm, and then they started falling. You guys need to keep on uh, putting the nation on notice. What does the country need to know about K-State? Uh, that we're a tough team. I mean, we are we are still underdogs, but uh, don't look at us that way because, you know, we are hungry, we are confident, um, and we want more. What was the message from Coach Tang? I mean, there were a little bit of adversity with the foul calls, being a little uneven. Just what was his message to you guys to stay confident and not let that get to you? Uh, he was saying we don't need calls to beat them. I mean, he was just saying next play, um, no matter what happens, there's going to be adversity, but we just got to fight through it. And that gave us confidence um, to, to keep playing, um, even when the foul calls wasn't going our way. One of the things that has stood out to me, Wyatt, as this season has gone on, you hear Jerome Tang's message through Marquise. So many times, it, maybe it sounds repetitive, but... It's still the fact that coach, what coach is selling, the players are buying. Well, it's well said. Um, you know, there, there have been so many things that have happened since last spring. But one thing that both Coach Tang and Marquise have talked a lot about is the number of conversations they had early and what their goals were. And I think Coach Tang would, would – I don't want to speak for him here, but I think he would say – that Marquise was all in from the get-go on doing whatever he could to help bring some people in here, and he was he was a man of his word. He helped. Um, I've talked to Keontae about that. I've talked to Desi about it, and, and <laughs> you know Tyke and th- those guys. I think they all, you know, thought that that this could be uh, a really. I mean, I, I'm not sitting here saying that that they they thought that the Sweet 16 was possible. But I think they felt getting to the tournament was possible, even though they were picked for last in the league. Mm -hmm. And they were picked last in the league, and probably rightfully so, just based on what they had. Nobody knew anything about them, right? It was all question marks. Sure. And and so that is in part why it it, it has become such a really cool story for – had a really neat conversation or two over the last few days with Nicole Arbach from The the Mm -hmm. Athletic and (laughs) – she is. She's had a ball over the last few days covering the team and, and hearing some of, you know, the the coaches' reactions to things and the players' reactions to things. And I think she used the word refreshing, because they are humble but confident and honest and hardworking, and they're believing in themselves. And all of those things are good. And they enjoy being with each other. <laughs> well, that's it. And that's the one thing that uh, you know, Keontae said when I recorded him for a, a, a pregame show here recently that, you know, he got used to the fact that they were always going to go, you know, I mean, they were at Coach Tang's house for a meal once a week and bonding and growing even really before, you know, the quote preseason began. I mean, they, they had done a lot of things, 
you know, from you know June and July and into August before September even rolled around, and that that helped a lot. They needed that. Desi was a little bit unique uh, from from the standpoint of. You know, he didn't get here till October, but mm-hmm. but so many of them talked about how dedicated he was to to try to make it work, and you know, with the Zoom meetings and and trying to learn the, you know some plays and all of those kind of things. So it's it's been a unique experience on on almost every level. Uh, but I I really do appreciate these guys because I, I I think when it's all said and done, at the very core of this is Coach Tang and his. You know, ability to get people to—I guess I'll use the word buy-in. I think it's more than that, really. But they have—they have, you know, freed themselves up and given in and, and said, "Let's do this. We're all together. Let's go." If, and that might not even be the right way to say it, but it—but I think they're all—they are close. You can, you can say cliches or whatever you want, but these guys, I think, genuinely enjoy being around each other, and they've really grown. And have become a heck of a basketball team, and that's impressive. What makes it even more impressive is that it's the type of camaraderie that you would expect out of a veteran team that has played together for four or five years. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point because they haven't been together for four or five years. Exactly. However, and I think this is key. And and part of this is is I've I said several times early in the year that I like the balance of the roster between youth and experience. They had to get some guys in here that were a little longer in the tooth because, <laughs> you know, maybe a Jarrell Colbert wasn't quite ready to go, and maybe Taj Manning was a guy they really liked, but they weren't sure, you know, and those types of things. But when you look at, at the group, and I, I've said this a lot too, you, you think about – as an example, Tyke Green has played a ton of college basketball. Desi the same, Bebe Igiola. Right there alone, I'll, I'll even look. I mean, we're, we're talking at 145 games for Ty, Desi 159, and Bebe 121. That's a lot of hoops, man. Mm-hmm. And, and those guys, it, it isn't like they're <laughs> – they, it's not like a normal transfer thing kind of at the end of the career. That's That's normal. But then coming here and, and, and being, how do I say this, willing to accept a role that's best for, for everybody, not mm-hmm. just for me. I, I use this example today, too, with, with Tyke. Tyke Green's played a ton of ball, as I said. And, and he's, he's a guy at, at Stony Brook that, that um, I mean, he averaged almost 31 minutes a game. You know what he's averaging this year per game? Think about 13. 10.8. Okay. Yeah. So you get the idea. He's accepted that role. It isn't necessarily his preference, but he's doing it. Bebe the same way. I mean, Bebe, Bebe played one minute yesterday and played eight minutes against Montana State. But I'm telling you, if you could see him at the walkthrough and in the film session, he's all in, boy. I'm just telling you, he's all in. Let's go. The Cats and Michigan State on Thursday night. It is a 5.40 tip-off, and our coverage that evening will hit the air at 4.30 from Madison Square Garden. We've got more coming up on Wildcat Insider next. Wildcat Insider, Troy Coverdale. Wyatt Thompson with you today. Thank you for joining us for it as we get you set for the next level 
the next 1-0 for K-State. That is the matchup with Michigan State coming up on Thursday night. The Spartans, I'll admit to being surprised by getting to this point of the tournament. I should know better being a Tom Izzo coached ball club, but they really have kind of flown under the radar for a portion of the season. Yesterday, they looked solid against Marquette. Marquette is a good team. They're, Marquette is a good Very team. Very good team. I mean, everybody, I think, understands that. Shaka Smart is uh, up for National Coach of the Year, along with Coach Tang and a couple of others. Uh, that announced today, a, a mm-hmm. finalist for Coach Tang, and we congratulate him for that. But, but yeah, they, they kind of I'll say they kind of somewhat slid by in the first game against USC. But, um, you know, beating Marquette – that took some toughness, and I think most people, when they think about Tom Izzo and and their style of play, it's big, it's physical, hard-nosed, tough, defense, rebounding. Is that a, a, an accurate statement, mm-hmm. would you say? Absolutely. And and I think they are some of that. I, I don't know that they have a Mateen Cleaves kind of guy or you know some of the other guys that they've had, but one thing that stuck out to me in looking at some of their numbers last night and into today is that it's a team that shoots almost think of this as a team now they shoot almost 39% from 3 as a team they're almost at 76% from the free throw line and when you look at the rebounding that's it's not as dominant as it usually is they're at plus 2.9 which is probably about normal for mm-hmm. for on average for for most teams so i do think they have good players but just the rugged tough where where it would remind you i mean i don't know if you've ever taken the time to sit down and watch maybe a game say Eight or ten years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that. Now, with with Izzo against Bo Ryan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, you might have might as well have gone to a boxing match, right? Because that's what it was going to be. It was Big Ten football, exactly right. <laughs> but now, with with Ty Walker and with Joey Hauser and AJ Hogard and and that they, I mean they they've spaced the floor well. They they don't turn it over. I mean, think about this: they don't force any turnovers. Less, right. less than 10, right? but they also only make 10.8 turnovers a game. So they're exceptionally well coached, as you might expect, but they are a little different. Not Now physical and big, but not like the bully boys that, that I think most of us perceive that they've been most recently. This is why you sing the praises of Tom Izzo. Sure. This is when we talk about being able to adjust to what your roster is. Sure. Adjust his coaching, adjust his game to what the roster is. There are plenty of coaches who try to punch that square peg into the round hole and make it work because of talent. Mm-hmm. And the and the coach thinks that his style will work and that the talent will adjust accordingly. No, Tom Izzo adjusts to what he has on his team to get the best out of them. Yeah. I've found this interesting. I always kind of look for nuggets, and sometimes they're found pretty easily, and other times you have to dig a little bit. And this one, I'm going to admit to you and to our listening audience, this one was pretty easy, but it's hard for it to not catch a hold of you a little bit and, like, shake you. Okay. Okay. Coach K held the all-time record going to 24 straight NCAA tournaments. Mm Mm-hmm. Dean Smith, 23 in a row. Mm Mm-hmm. This is 25 straight now for Izzo. Mm. 
That's an all-time NCAA record. 25 straight years. It is... I know they've been good for a long time, but still, think about that for a little bit. That, that's, right. that's pretty good. That is exceptional. Yeah. And let's be perfectly honest, Michigan State was a good program. They were up and down at times, mm-hmm. but Judd Heathcote, is, as coach, you know, ran a very solid program with them. Oh, no doubt. Tom Izzo took it to the next level. Probably so. I mean, it's it's easy. To, it's weird to say that almost in some ways because with Judd, when when they had magic, they <laughs> well that and and even if you take it maybe down a couple notches, even right. when they had Scott Skiles, right, right. But but it is interesting when you when you think about it. Uh, just Judd Heathcote wasn't making twenty five straight. Now, granted, yeah. it was tougher to make the tournament you wanna, at the time in terms of the field. I thought this was interesting too. You you want to know what kind of guy. Uh, Tom Izzo is with, and loves his players, works the dog out of him, right? Yes. But he has a son on his team who's a grad senior, 5'8", 150 pounds. You know what his full name is? Stephen Mateen Izzo. Uh-huh. Tell me he doesn't love his players. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's tremendous. I laughed when I saw that. That was like, wow, that's really cool. That is. Yeah. That is very cool. Uh, You do not expect that. No, you do not. That said, Tom also does a tremendous job in that and and has been pushed into a spot where this year he has had to do that a little more, and that is as an ambassador for his university and to his university. Well, they've been through a lot. We know about the shooting and all of those kind of things. He's he's been on a couple of different occasions when I've seen him on, on tape and stuff really, really emotional about it. And I think they've tried really hard to do their part to kind of bring – you know you can't <laughs> you can't bring people back but but you you what you hope is is that you you know get through it and 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 at some level process it and and, and heal and and I think that's where they're at and I th- I think he's I don't want to speak for anybody but I think they've done a really nice job of, of of trying to be someone or a group that has helped a lot of people through an excruciatingly hard time when you get to this time of the year how much does emotion begin to play a role? Well, I think you you know, I th- it's a really great question. I think because it, it certainly is a is a role. You know, we we talked earlier in the show about the emotion of our, our New York guys going going mm-hmm. there uh, now and and what that means to them. So there are different levels of emotion, but I th- I think um, when you get to this point, th- this is an easy statement to make, but. There's just not much separation in the teams now. True. You know, and somewhere along the line, you look for a little edge here or there, or whatever it might be. Sometimes it might be as, as simple as emotion or maybe being just a little bit better prepared or, you know, maybe <laughs> like like uh, yesterday afternoon where you start 0 for 13 and then make some threes at the end of the game. There, there are a lot of things that go into it. But I've always believed that, you know, Emotion, adrenaline, those kind of things are are important factors in in successful uh, athletics. The reason I ask is, given what has taken place on the Michigan State campus and in the East Lansing community, there's that emotion that they could be riding on going into this. To them, it means something that's different than what things are for K-State. Well, you said it earlier in the show, Troy, that that this isn't necessarily – 
been Michigan State's dream season. Sure. At, at twenty-one and twelve, and yet here they are <laughs> playing past St. Patrick's Day and into the Sweet Sixteen again. And you know, you can start naming the best college basketball programs over the last 20-some years that consistently get to this level, they're one of those groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just kind of expect them to be around. It doesn't happen It doesn't happen for anybody every year for the most part. There are exceptions to every rule, of course, but they have been consistent winners. And I, I you know, I, I have a through, – through my time working with Bruce Weber, I would say I have a pretty good opinion of Tom Izzo just because of what Coach Weber says – what what he is and what he stands for. I think everybody sees that he's a good man, and and clearly he's a very very fun eight time national coach of the year. I think he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I think so as well. <laughs> um, and and along those lines, they're also not the team that anybody expected to be in this round exactly from the Big right. Ten. That's true. When you look at what Purdue had done this year, yeah. How about that for a shocker? By the way, unbelievable. Uh, now there were some people that that are saying that they saw it coming. I don't know that I'm that that bright necessarily to say that I saw that coming, especially in the first round. I mean, it's easy to pick an upset here and, and there, but but again, that league, um, those though, I mean, think about this: that league is hard because if you look and start naming teams, you could name a pretty good handful, or maybe a little more than a handful of teams over the last decade that have all been at least to the Sweet 16 or Elite 8 or better. Michigan, Michigan State, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, Ohio State. I mean, you just go on and on and on. And now you look at the year Rutgers has had and Penn State has had. So you have to respect them. It, I mean, they were they're 21 and 12, but they were 11 and 8 in the conference. You know, I don't know that their league was any anything like what the Big 12 was, but yet when you look I mean, here they are, uh, one of the 16 remaining schools. Give them some credit for that. Conference breakdown, interestingly. Big East has three. Yep. SEC has three. Mm -hmm. The Big 12 has two. And a lot of people are starting to take their shots at the Big 12. Of course. Saying that, oh, no, it wasn't as good during the course of the year. That's the problem with trying to judge from a tournament bracket and the outcomes in a tournament as opposed to watching what a full season really is. Sure. Well, I mean, we could sit here and probably pick something that has changed several teams in our league over just the last, say, week to a month. Mm -hmm. Whether it's Eddie Lampkin at TCU, Bill Self at Kansas, Caleb Grill at Iowa State. Um, I mean... Though, I mean, you can say what you want, but all of those are factors in those teams not being what they were through most of the season. Again, if you, if you say it's an excuse, so be it. I'm just trying to say, and, and, and I think right or wrong, most people would probably say, okay, whether you like KU, whether you don't, whether you're somewhere in the middle, if, but most Big 12 fans, if you said to them, do you think KU would have been in the Sweet 16 had Bill Self coached the other day? What's the percentage of people would have said yes? Oh, it's going to be above ninety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I think you just made my point. Yeah, yeah, and, but it, again, and that's the ebbs and flows of right. a season, right? Uh, and the tournament isn't a season, but a lot of people like to judge outcomes based on 
that small right. window versus what the reality of the big window was. Well, and and I, you know, we could talk about this all night. I think, but I, it, as you look at the at the final sixteen teams, you do see teams from a Conference USA or an American or some of those that don't get the same type of credit that the Power Five leagues get all the time. And, and Gonzaga is another example. I mean, were you shocked at all that, that they beat TCU? No. I'm not. No. I mean, they've just been too good for too long to, to just show up and throw it up and think that TCU is going to walk away because they're a member of the Big 12. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. And, you know, it, it brings up a great point. But there, too, that's what we would lose if, oh, say, the Power Fives do what some people think that they want to do with the tournament, and that is just completely push the smaller ones out. And yeah, which, I, I, hope is, that, I hope that it never happens. Yeah, uh, well, I think we all, most of us feel like that, I think. Um, I, I think it's more about the the power structure and the greed as opposed to what's the what's best yeah. for all involved. And I, I believe this is why so many people love March Madness and not just this time of year, but because you you know you can be a Florida Atlantic and make the sweet 16 if you do what you're supposed to do and and when you're supposed to do it on that first weekend. It's harder to do that in major college football, as we said here today in 2023. To do, I mean, it's just it's just harder. It's a different beast. It's, it is a different beast. Well said. Absolutely yeah. a different beast. More when we continue in a moment. This is Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale, voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson with you as we continue on Wildcat Insider. You said something a moment ago. We could, You could talk all night about, I'm like, you and I could talk all night. That's the thing about it. You and I could talk all night, for well, crying out loud. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. Whether anybody wants to listen or not, we can do it. You have things to do. I have sleep to get. Well, you have sleep to get as well, but that that's another matter altogether. Your alarm won't go off the same time mine does tomorrow morning. That is true. Yeah. Uh, we've got a, an early flight, however, so it'll be earlier than than probably normal, but the, but that's okay, too. One of the things that, behind the scenes at the NCAA tournament, that people may not have a full grasp of, is that while the NCAA has its structure in when the media times are and when the quote-unquote open practice is, Mm -hmm. teams are holding their practices elsewhere, actual practices elsewhere. Open practices are a glorified shoot-around. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and, and, and if I'm being totally honest, it's it's probably been that way for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard to go through things that you're hoping to take from the practice floor even if it's the Greensboro Coliseum practice floor with open to the public stuff that you're going to play the next day. It's not how it works. you know. Not only that, but you're not going to get much out of it in terms of instruction and right. putting in place a game plan uh, for the length of time that you're on the floor. Yeah. 
really the truth is it's nothing really more than a media opportunity mm-hmm. and for the fans to see the team they love, really. That, that, that it is. Yeah. That so, it is. So it should it's, be called that. It's the behind the scenes <laughs> where yeah. things are really happening for this team. Right. You get the opportunity to witness that mm-hmm. and see what's going on. What was the approach this week in Greensboro? Well, I've said uh, several times today that I, I loved being kind of behind the scenes in watching the preparation game day morning for yesterday's game. Um, a walkthrough that started at about 9.45 in the morning Eastern time with the scout team that's always undervalued um, going through that with the first and second groups and the, the scout group a film session that was really good, um, kind of a, a you know pep talk kind of thing from the coach and all of those kind of things. You, sometimes you get a – you can't always get the right feel what you're thinking on that because it doesn't play like that. But then there are other times when you go, ooh, okay, I think these guys are locked in, you know, and uh, confident and, and ready. doesn't guarantee you victory, but I think they really had a good plan. I think they believed in it. And, you know, the the thing for me, I mentioned last night to a couple of people at the airport that, you know, Oscar Shibway is an incredible talent. I mean, he's one, of, he's one of the best rebounders in college basketball to come along in a really long time. And think about it from this perspective. Yesterday, he had 25 points and 18 rebounds, and Kentucky lost. Right. Yeah. Usually when you have a 25 and 18 guy, you usually win the game, right? Yes. But... In this particular case, I think K-State felt like there were things that they could do to Kentucky offensively and defensively, and I think it proved out to be so. As an example, I, I don't think it's a real secret. I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. Most people will tell you if Kentucky has an issue with Shebway, it's that he doesn't do a real great job in ball screen defense. Mm-hmm. K-State knew that and took advantage of it. So... It's it's actually one of the reasons why he wasn't starting for stretches this season. Sure, and 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 it goes to to what we were saying a little bit here on and off air, and I apologize for that. But you know, sometimes the the favorite or whatever, you know, those guys that 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 do that know what they're doing because there's money involved and they study it very very hard. It's why they have big buildings. But but however, I will say, you know. The, more times than not, a favorite is going to be a favorite for <clears throat> excuse me for several reasons. But I think in some cases it's because of the name, not necessarily the team. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? It does. Absolutely does. I think it happens. I mean, K-State's the underdog as the three seed coming Thursday night. Yep. I guess I kind of understand it because that's the way most people think. That, that we've been we've kind of been structured that way. Conditioned. Uh, conditioned probably is a better word. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying, I mean, some would argue Michigan State's good enough to win, and I I don't, you know, this could be a hard game. I don't think there's a ton of difference between the teams, but I think K-State have some advantages, and so do they. We'll see how it plays out. But I, I think just to say this team's the favorite because they're such and such, um, when you don't really study the matchups, can be – Fatal at times. Absolutely. <laughs> so, well, welcome to the land of hot takes. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wrap up this week's edition of Wildcat Insider in a moment.
Those listening on the podcast will not hear the return music. Travion pulling out the Run DMC, which is absolutely perfect given where that cats are headed next. <laughs> Madison Square Garden. New York City. Ah, the Big Apple. You've called games there? Yeah, how a much couple of, of times. How much of a thrill is it to call a game at Madison Square Garden? Well, I think the first time is always the most special. You think about, I mean, uh, if I'm being totally honest here, I, I was a little bit surprised when I first got up close to the building. You know, your expectations sometimes <laughs> don't necessarily <laughs> equate with reality. And, and yet it's such a hotbed for basketball and so many, you know, you think about all the people that – you know, played in the playgrounds in New mm-hmm. York City and and were dominant in the in the game, whether it's college, pro, or whatever. They love their basketball there, and and it is a unique uh, facility. Uh, so it's it's really pretty cool. It's it's one of the best best places uh, to call a game I've I've had the opportunity to be. It, in. It's definitely the different uh, different approach to life when yeah. you step out of that building. That sure. is for sure. Yeah. And for it to be at the heart of basketball, if you will. Uh, it, it it's just fun that it's going to be the cats in there for the next two games. Oh yeah, it, it will. Be he fun. says. He says, fingers crossed. Next two games. <laughs> I know. I think we all have those hopes. And, and it, 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 I, I'll be honest. I like the matchup with Michigan State. I, I don't know if it's ideal, but you know, I, I think uh, as as we have learned and grown with this team in in terms of watching, uh, don't count them out, right? I mean, I think we've all learned that that. Uh, you know, there, there have been ups and, and a few downs, but, boy, the ups far, far, far outweigh the downs now, don't they? I mean, Absolutely. This, again, I, I even, in, in recording with, with Rodney before the ball game yesterday, I, mean, I said, do you think about, you know, from what it was like to the spring to, to now? And he goes, all the time, every day. You know, so they're living it too, you know. I mean, I think they're really proud of what's been done, and yet – they're not ready to cash in and say, "Hey, it was a good run. Let's 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 do more." That's the best part about this. It's the tournament. There's <laughs> yeah. still something there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, in, and how would you like to? I mean, seriously, think about this for a minute. How would you like to be Florida Atlantic right now? Oh gosh. I mean, a nine seed. Um, I think the lowest seed ever to make the Final Four is an, an eleven. Is that right? I, I believe think, you're I, right. I think mm-hmm. that's correct. I mean, there aren't many that. I mean, Arkansas is an eight. You look at uh, Florida Atlantic's a nine, and and Princeton's a fifteen. Yeah, but so that's again talking about what we were before. The 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 tournament is special on so many levels, and uh, the game is about the players. I think, and for them to be able to play on this stage, back to the original thought is, and especially for our New York guys, is so cool. Here's the one storyline that I hope is well controlled on Thursday night, and that is that the guys from New York City don't try to do too much because they're back home in New York City. Oh, sure. Yeah, you got to just let it flow. Um, and I, I think that's the thing, too, that, you know, Marquise, when, when K-State went through a little tough time there and lost, you know, those games back-to-back at, at uh, Tech and at Oklahoma, one thing I appreciated so much about him was is he he tried to put it all on himself. He said, I was bad. I've got to be better. He wore it, man. And I think when you're willing to do that and you're willing to pay the price to make others better and, and to do all of the things that he has done this year, then 
it kind of leads to unity and, 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 a, and a fight w- within it as a group, don't you think? I would agree. And yeah. it's also the tremendous sign of leadership. Yeah. Well, and he, you know, he's been doubted for so long. He just doesn't let him let it bother him anymore. I was going to tell that story about being asked about, is there an advantage to, you know, being short? <laughs> and, and he thought about it for a second at the podium there and says, well, you don't fall as far down and it's easier to get back up. <laughs> you can't hardly, and that's paraphrasing, not the exact quote, but you get the idea. I mean, he didn't care about that. No. And he's always going to be 5'7-ish, and that's just the way it is. Go play. Absolutely. Move on. He has elite quickness to go with that frame, oh. and that's that's all right, too. You travel safe. Thank you, sir. You and everybody travel Enjoy the safe. Show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Wyatt. You As the uh, Cats again head for New York City tomorrow, we have full coverage for you as uh, Mitch Fortner will be on hand in New York City as well. Thursday, tip time is 5.30. Just after it, coverage begins 4.30. Thursday here on News Radio KMAN. This has been Wildcat Insider. Closer to the locker room than anyone else. This is Wildcat Insider. Wildcat Insider, an exclusive presentation of the flagship station of the K-State Sports Network. News Radio 1350 KMAN.